Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Political State Podcast from the Oklahoman. This episode recorded on Thursday, April 21st. I'm Ben Felder, a journalist for the Oklahoman covering state government. Joining me as always is Carmen Foreman, the Oklahoman's lead state capital reporter. On today's episode, we're also joined by Dave Cassidy. Now, you may know him best as the Oklahoman's food dude, our expert in all things restaurants, dining in central Oklahoma. But lately, he's been more investigative reporter and has done a pretty fine job covering a controversial contract the state tourism department has had with a local barbecue restaurant chain. Hey, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, like I said, you've been uh, more Woodward and Bernstein than Anthony Bourdain of late. <laughs> um, and have done a fine job, um, at least with at least three or four stories, I think, just in recent weeks. And, um, you know, many listeners will probably be familiar with the story because it's gotten a lot of traction um, and other outlets as well. And, and, and people have kind of, you know, it, it's, it's shown a good job of how a diverse ecosystem of news can add to a story because I think a lot of different outlets have kind of contributed their own original reporting. But you've done a, a, a fantastic job, um, not only breaking news, but kind of painting some you know, clear pictures of the characters that are involved. Um, so just to start off, can you give us just kind of a quick uh, rundown of, of what this story is and kind of how we got to this point? Yeah, sure, Ben. No problem. And thanks for, for all that. It's been, I've been working on it for a long time and it's, it's, you know, it's good to finally get some of that information out after all this time. But uh, this goes back to uh, uh, early 2020 when this, when the uh, tourism department entered into a contract or put out bidding for, for a contract or for a, for new operators for the state restaurants, uh, for concessionaires essentially, because not every state park has a restaurant, but there were five in particular that they identified in January January 2020 to either upgrade or reopen restaurants. And uh, in the past, those those uh, spaces had been operated by individuals local to the area, and they would pay a three percent uh, gross monthly fee to the state. That meaning whatever the month's receipts were at the end of the month, when, or whether you profited or not, 3% of that goes to the state. And on we went. Well, in, in 2020, they decided to choose one operator for all those restaurants. And the, they presented them with a one-of-a-kind contract, which made it impossible for the new vendor to lose any money. And that vendor, of course, was Swadley's Barbecue, who then uh, began opening Foggy Bottom Kitchens in the state parks. And, and, and I know we'll talk a lot about it, but that contract has has a lot of uh, a lot of layers to it and none of very few of which the state has ever handed out to anybody in the past. Yeah. So just a really kind of a sweetheart of a deal. Yeah, 100 percent. Like the, basically Swadley's uh, gets monthly management fees, tens of thousands of dollars, up to ninety four thousand dollars a month in management fees. I think the lowest they ever got was a little over twenty thousand uh, dollars since 20 uh, since early 2020. So there you have one set of fees. You have uh, you have a, a clause built in that at the end of every fiscal year, if you show a loss, the state will pay Swadley's up to $1.4 million for their losses. So there's virtually no way for them to lose money. And perhaps even more, uh, I don't know if it's more controversial or more, uh, more in question is Swadley's ability to perform capital improvements on top of opening these restaurants at these state parks. Because the work they did certainly went beyond, you know, renovating restaurant spaces. And that's where I think millions and millions of dollars really started to flow. And so what started out as four restaurants and then was changed to six restaurants, and then even all the way up to seven is back down to six. It, it, they've, they've 
amended this contract uh, two times in less than three years, and they're going to get ready to amend it a third time. So I, I would say that all of that together amounts to some amount of controversy for sure. If it was such a good deal, I mean, I, I know that you talked to some of the other companies that were approached. Why did they not bid on it? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and the easy answer is it, it was really wasn't presented. The deal that Swadley's ultimately got was, was not put on the table from the beginning. Uh, in fact, it was just a request for proposals. And if you go and, and we've done this, we have the original proposal that Swadley sent in. It did not propose any of the management fees that it ultimately got from the state. It actually proposed a 5% fee at the end uh, gross receipt fee. But I think there's, but it wasn't until they started profiting. I think they their proposal was once we start profiting, we'll share 5% of everything. The state comes back and says, ah, forget that. Don't worry about it. We're going to just pay you these management fees every month, and then if you have any losses at the end of the fiscal year, we're going to we're going to make that whole as well. So, who would say no to that? I wouldn't. You, yeah, no, definitely a great deal. And what have you what have you found out about um, the owner of Swadley's, his relationship to some of the state officials that were involved in this decision making? Kind of how he got to this point of having such a great a great deal. Well, it appears. Uh, well, according to our reporting. They met uh, Jerry Winchester, the executive director of tourism, and uh, and Brent Swadley's relationship goes back to uh, oh early 20 teens when uh, oil field services were going crazy. Uh, anybody in oil field services was was doing big money, and that turned out to be really big money for caterers across the state. Yeah. Get these unbelievable sweetheart deals to to drive out and and cater these oil field workers, you know, keep them fed and keep them out there, and then get all this money. And Brent Swadley and uh, and uh, Jerry Winchester ran into each other at a Wiley Post and uh, struck up a, a friendship over their common ownership of motorhomes. And from there, Swadley's became a more important caterer for 77 Energy. And by the time Winchester is named director of tourism, Swadley has already established himself as a pretty common caterer out of the capital. So when Jerry is named, it's, it's a friend. Uh, mm -hmm. And according to our reporting, you know, uh, he uh, Swadley is tapped by Gino DeMarco, uh, who is the deputy director of tourism and also a former 77 Energy uh, guy. In fact, he was the founder of the company that became 77 Energy, uh, reaches out to Swadley's and says, hey, what do you guys think? What, what can we do here? What, what do you suggest we do? We're trying to do this branded restaurant. And so they actually meet before the bidding ever goes out in fall of 2019 and two or four of the restaurants and spend the night at Sequoia Lodge to discuss all that this and they come back with this idea that we'll build these foggy bottom kitchens uh, now of course there's a bidding process that has mm -hmm. to happen here and that bidding process as as we've reported happens but there's a like a really strange list of vendors first off it's not open to the public they don't they don't post it publicly anywhere and then so they send invitations to to hand-picked vendors and the original list that they chose very few that profile like like Swadley's. The only one that really profile like Swadley's was City Bites. And we heard from City Bites as to why they didn't enter into the contract. They saw uh, on its merits that this was going to be a disaster just because of logistics uh, uh, and the seasonality of these of these spaces. So they declined. Of course, they said, had we known that the deal was going to be that good, we would certainly have examined it. So clearly no one knew that the deal was going to get that good. And like I said, from our reporting, even Swadley's apparently didn't know it was going to get quite that good. And so there's, there's that's where some of the questions still remain and what I'm sure investigators, investigators are trying to get to. Yeah. 
elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, there is basically like a criminal probe kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Who is doing that? And then there's potentially, uh, I guess there's going to be an audit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we're going to get a forensic audit too. So March 25th, um, the uh, Oklahoma District Attorney, o- Oklahoma County District Attorney, David Prater, uh, requests uh, OSBI investigate this criminally. And, and they accept immediately and they began their investigation that day. Um, so that's been going on since the 25th. On Monday, he sent a letter to the auditor's office requesting a forensic audit to go along with, to work in concert with the investigation and, and they accept it immediately. So that's ongoing now. And, and like I said, they're looking into all kinds of, well, I've been, I've been told that you know, in a criminal conspiracy like this, they're going to be looking on both sides of the table here. You know, they're, they're going to be looking at the invoices that that Swadley's uh, sent in and which we've reported on. And I believe we have some of those uh, posted uh, on top of who was rubber stamping these invoices, who was signing off on these invoices. Because what's sort of one of the major questions in, in this in, in this whole ordeal that hasn't really been answered is whose idea was this? Hmm. Um when I asked the tourism department that question from the very beginning, it was just, uh, well, there was no mandate to do branded restaurants, uh, just sort of an attempt to become a top 10 performing park or something like that. So it's still really unclear whose idea this was. Uh, they, they had an opportunity. Uh, Jerry Winchester and Gino DeMarco had an opportunity to talk to the legislature about that about three months before the uh, bidding went out. They had a joint session in front of everyone they never mentioned the possibility that they were going to rebrand restaurants with a single operator. So it does, it just brings more and more questions, which is, I suppose, why we have these ongoing investigations. Yeah. Uh, you, you use the term criminal conspiracy, and I just wanted to make clear that, you know, nobody has been no. found uh, of uh, wrongdoing yet. And Brent yeah. Swadley, I mean, he hasn't talked to the Oklahoman, but he did tell non-doc that he thinks that he's done everything by the book yeah. and he's yeah. not in trouble at all. And that he thinks that the OSBI investigation will clear him of any. Right. That That's 100 percent true. Uh, the, that word was brought to me uh, generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're investigating that kind of thing, which it gives some indication that 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 is something that they're in, that they're investigating. But no, there has not been anything decided yet. Not at all. You know, one thing that I think has made the story kind of so interesting is kind of what it says about um, the the culture that the governor has created. Now, I say that, and 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 Carmen, you and I in a previous episode have kind of talked about this a little bit, but like, you know, there has no been no direct link between Swalley's and the governor. Um, I mean, the governor is relevant because he's the one that hires the tourism director. Winchester is his direct is, is under his direct supervision. Um, when I say culture is like one, this is a governor, and not he wouldn't be unique in this way, but this is a governor that definitely has come into office, kind of wanting some showy uh, showy wins, and, and not necessarily. I don't mean that in a bad way, but just wants likes projects. I think we could, we've seen that. He, he likes big ribbon cutting like projects and he wouldn't be the first governor or mayor or somebody like that, that that wants that and i think that's a directive that a lot of people a lot of these agency directors really understand that um that as he talks about being a top 10 state in these very different areas that that takes some investment and that takes some construction and so i i don't think many of us would doubt that when you look at the state parks in recent years that they've been in need of some investment and if you're going to make a top 10 state park system whatever that means it's going to probably take a little bit of flashiness um, but the second thing is, is that the governor has brought in a lot of these businessmen type like him. And what's been interesting is what do they know and what do they not know about how government operates? Because someone like Winchester is coming from a world where, uh, hey, that guy I met who has this business, um, we can get a deal done. 
you know, let's get together a couple of handshakes and we've got, you know, we've got it done. And that's not how it works in state government. As you talked about, there's a, a pretty um, intense bidding process to make sure that there aren't any kind of political favors going out the door. And once again, that's not to say that we have proof of that, um, but this is a different world for Winchester and for, for Gino and a lot of the other people that the governor's put in than the one that they're used to. Yeah, no, I can I can speak to that directly. The 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 whistleblower that we've interviewed during this process spoke to that directly about how ill prepared because he was involved in the original planning for this thing and they really did think they were going to be able to make this thing go. But he said right away they realized, "Oh, wow, these are seasonal. We had no idea just how quickly and the way the original contract was written, they were supposed to be open at least 6 days a week and every Sunday no matter what time of year." which meant, you know, massive losses were, were going to happen. Um, and we haven't even reported everything he's told me yet about how they had to overpay uh, uh, employees just to get them in, to reach, to make the mandates uh, right in the contracts that they had originally. These aren't things that went on for a long time. These are things that went on briefly and they went back to the state and said, hey, we've, we've looked at this wrong. You know, it, it just goes back to showing exactly what you said. They, it, it's fine to, it, I, I see where a path where this deal could have worked had they had slowed down the, the process of vetting the operator and been sure that the operator that they had knew something not only about restaurants, but also about lodging. Because that's the, the bigger picture on this. These are, these are, lodge, these are all lodges. There's all sleep, uh, places to sleep over here. These are full-on parks. And so when you have a guy who's, who's you know, got some experience in building restaurants or, or remodeling restaurants, sure, there's a skill set there that's identifiable that you could see, oh, well, yeah, maybe he knows what he's doing. But that maybe in state government, it, it doesn't pass muster. And that's what happened early on. The, the, the billing he was sending in, uh, the Swallies was sending in was just not, it was not working. Uh, it, didn't, it, it lacked receipts. It was just large numbers with a lot of indication of what you know description of work with no description of of how many hours or who was on it or where they were from or any of that kind of stuff so it was just clear from the outset from the early billing that they had gone in a way that was not going to be a good fit with state government yeah how long i mean what's the timeline for you know the osbi investigation the audit um, when are we going to know more about this? I mean, besides your reporting and the reporting from other journalists in the yeah, state. That is that is really hard to say, because like I said, uh, I confirmed with uh, OSBI that they did not start their side of the investigation until March 25th. And I know they've spoken with some people. They've spoken to our whistleblower. They spent about two hours with them a couple uh, last Wednesday. Uh, and so I know they've, they've gotten out. They've begun that process. But they're I mean, <laughs> And you guys know a little bit about this, about the breadth of this story as well. I mean, this is not just a couple of guys, uh, a couple of people who, who might know something that they need to talk to. You're talking about rooms full of people that, that are going to know stuff, that are going to have some, you're talking about the entire OTRD is going to have some understanding of this deal. And so they're all going to have to end up being talked to, I'm sure, because as we now know, uh, tourism was, was conducting their own internal audit as early as September. Apparently after Swadley's got a, like that last contract amendment, there was a, there was a big amount of money that went to Swadley's and there was a, a, a big ask going forward for more money. And it was right about then when the legislators started to gather and question this thing. And that's when the, the little Sahara uh, restaurant got canceled. So as far back as I would say late August of last year, questions started to arise. And, and so we know by early September that 
that OTRD was doing its own internal audit. I'm assuming they have gotten pretty close on theirs. We know that. We just from our own requests that we know that they've gotten pretty close on some of that. So that part might be done, but now Cindy Bird's team is going to come in and they're going to want to take a look probably at all the same stuff. So who knows? It could be months. It really could be months. And I know we've got an election this year and I know we've got the AG's offices a little bit, you know, we've still got an appointee in there. And and I think all these factor into the timeline. So it could be a bit. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I did think it was sorry to cut you off, Ben. I did think it was interesting. The governor was asked about the Swadley's um, probe and everything to do with Swadley's earlier this week. And he had a couple of different things to say. I mean, he basically said, you know, if there was wrongdoing, if there were funds that were taxpayer funds that were misspent, he plans to get it back. But he did say, oh, isn't it funny how these things always come up in an election year? It's kind of peculiar that all this stuff happens on election year. And um, we, I tell all of my state agencies, go become top 10. And our, our parks are becoming top 10. We have, uh, we're, we're, we're doing a fantastic job of redoing the bathrooms in those state parks and, and, uh, and getting tourism dollars up in the state. Uh, but we, we will absolutely hold any vendor accountable. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what happens and looking at all the invoices and making sure that we have uh, transparency for the taxpayer. So I do wonder how much this is going to be not a talking point for the governor, but a talking point for others um, during election season. For sure. For sure. You could you could definitely see that. I mean, th- there's been so, and you guys have been covering all this stuff with uh, we talked about Gino DeMarco before and how his name has come up in the news before with the PPE and missing funds there. So, yeah, you can certainly see where politically speaking that that could that could come into play. Yeah. Well, as you said, Dave, this I mean, this really the questions were being raised last year. So it wasn't like this thing just, exactly. just came about. And uh, tell us about it. It's an election year. Um, I mean, it's definitely, it definitely is. Um, so the governor, as you said, Carmen, you know, doesn't appear to be too concerned about this. And he said so much. Um, and I don't know that we're on full-blown Swadley's date yet. Um, but, you know, the attorney general this week, um, I think he told the frontier, you know, that he's not investigating it yet. You know, we said we'll have to wait and see if there's fire with all this smoke, but there definitely is a lot of smoke. Um, But, you know, I want to talk about the governor a little bit. You know, I don't really like to get into the reporting of what happens on social media. It's often a bubble kind of devoid of reality of what's really going on in Oklahoma. But I did find it interesting last week that the governor's top communication official tweeted out a picture um, of him enjoying the Winchester burger. There's a there's a burger named after Director Winchester. at, at one of the Swadley State Park restaurants. And, you know, Twitter is this echo chamber and it often skews left politically. But um, I saw this tweet as an obvious trolling from, you know, of governors and its critics. And hey, mission accomplished because he definitely got the responses and <laughs> that, that I think he probably knew, you know, he set the trap and 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 then he came a calling. Um, but so far, this the, the governor's, like you said, not just in his own comments, but his staff, I mean, they don't seem to be too concerned about this yet. So, and they still see this as a positive. I mean, that this, hey, we we made some investments in, in these state parks and, and built these nice facilities. Yeah, they, I've noticed that too. Uh, I, I had a little interchange with Carly Atchison and she was very quick to, to I noticed that what, what she said in a, in, a, in a statement and what he said a few days later in his uh, in his press conference were very echoed very closely. Uh, don't forget to bring up the, all the new restrooms. Don't forget to bring up that, that you know, we're not losing as much money and, and we have better food and better service because, you know, that's let's get back to that. I mean, Jerry Winchester said to the joint session that the, the goal was to provide better food and better service 
and lose a little less money than we did in the past with these restaurants. So this, the, the governor's office and, this, and, and even tourism is still kind of hanging on to the notion that they mission accomplished. They've done that. Well, we're going to have some more reporting on that. We're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a deeper dive into that going forward because we do have some guest responses from, from the parks since, since uh, Foggy Bottoms have opened. And they do have some, some, some fans, but they also have some, dis- have some detractors, some big ones, and some are state legislators, as a matter of fact. And the governor's office doesn't bring that, that stuff up quite as readily. And as far as how much money they've stopped losing, or that, that's, a, that's another tricky one. Because, you know, these foggy bottoms have only been open since the pandemic started, keep in mind. So when they did open, uh, things were not exactly normal. And they, I believe they only operated for a couple of months that first year. So there, there wasn't a, like a normal rate of business to compare it to. Now, 2021, sure, probably closer to what the way things might have been. And I think the, the numbers they sent show, yeah, they, they, they did lose money as the previous operators did. And, but it does look like it's a little bit less, all right? But what those numbers don't indicate is how much money was spent to lose just a little bit less money. And so at what point do you stop counting the cost of, of the, of the uh, installation? And it, because they're also talking about, and Carmen, uh, I believe, w- w- was in this reporting, they're talking about all this extra money they want for maintenance going forward. That's one of the concerns uh, some of our sources in Loft talked about. Is Sure, okay, so you've upgraded these facilities. Well, you, you guys yourselves have said to, to maintain these, we need to set aside 4% of their worth every year. And that's just money you're not going to spend except for on those on that maintenance. So if you've made that asset much more expensive, then you now have to maintain it much more expensively going forward. All right. So, so, so like a fancy new bathroom costs more to maintain. Yeah. Uh, yes. Let's here's uh, this is a good example. I was driving back from Austin a couple of weeks ago, and you know, about to hit the Texas Oklahoma border, and I see a sign for the 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 renovated um, welcome center in Oklahoma, and it, it on the sign it says you know touchless features all throughout the bathroom, touchless paper towels, touchless soap dispensers. Those cost more to fix. Then you're old, you know, just shove a roll of paper, paper towels in there than that used to. That's right. That's exactly right. And so it's it's so that's what we're going to try in our reporting. We're going to try and weigh all that and, and, and see just how much money, if any, that the state has saved. Now, they could make an argument that, well, okay, maybe we didn't save any money, but we maybe have added life. To the to these structures. Well, that's great. If that, that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just a matter. We'll, we'll try to set the record straight a little bit on that. So it's a little less political and a little bit more reality. And I, th- I think that they've always kind of said, even before the state administration was in, um, and there was definitely some previous neglect of the parks, especially sure. in bad state budget years. But I think they've kind of always said that, you know, we're we're going to lose money on the state parks, right? Yeah. Like it's just a matter of how much we lose. How much? That's right. That's right. That's uh, some of the sources I've talked to who had concerns from the very beginning. Uh, folks uh, who who used Quartz Mountain a lot, for instance. Quartz Mountain is it became involved in this in 2021, and a lot of money was spent out there. And and, and everyone I talked to, there was not one person who didn't say, who, who said, "Oh no, that didn't need any work at all." They, they said clearly an upgrade was needed out there. Everyone I talked to said that clearly an upgrade was needed out there. But I didn't talk to very many people that said that the upgrade that happened was necessary. Like it was like 
I, I go back to that water feature that that obscures the mountain that actually obscures Quartz Mountain, uh, according to people who have been out there. That no one can really explain where stuff like that came from. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, as, as the governor said, this is an election year. I, 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 this feels like a story that's going to continue to build, you know, I mean, especially when you've got various investigations, whether from the state auditor or OSBI, who knows what the timing that's going to be, but you know, it could be a really interesting uh, timing. And I just wonder what it's going to look like for, uh, you know, in, the, in this race for governor, you know, you know, Stitt's opponents have, you know, whether it's been through some of these hacks that we've seen or some of these ads, they've really tried to paint him as this kind of corrupt businessman. And I've never really thought that that's a, you know, I mean, if you if you don't like the governor and you're a critic, a, a, a critic of his, you'll you'll embrace that corrupt banner, you know. But we haven't we've seen some controversy with the governor, but we haven't really seen corruption. Right. I mean, we just haven't like I mean, we've seen like him butting heads with the tribes and healthcare, And, you know, but and and maybe there's been some questionable ways that some of his you know, all the governor's men have kind of handled some things when they've, you know, in, in business things, but we haven't really seen like, like out and out corruption, but you, I mean, Carmen, you know, and you've done this too, Dave, that, you know, in, in politics, you just repeat something over and over and over again to try to get the stick. I mean, I'm sure the governor's side is going to use the term socialism to describe Hofmeister and nothing could be further from the truth given her political <laughs> background, but they'll say it, they'll say it, they'll say it, and, and it'll start to stick. Yeah. I, I wonder if this is now they've got something they can kind of sink their teeth in. And once again, there's no direct link to the governor, except for the fact that the buck stops with him, with Winchester. Um, and the governor is defending it right now. Um, so, like I said, I don't know this. I could see, you know, Dave, I'm, sh I'm sure I don't know if you've ever given, been a food critic. I'm not sure you've ever seen your headlines in a political ad, but I <laughs> would guarantee you you're going to see it. That's a great point. You know, I, could, yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, that's that. It makes sense. Uh, I know what you're It's 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 going to be fodder for sure. I, I covered enough elections back in the day that this will definitely these things in the epic charter schools and the in the inaction. You know, there's still never really been any real anything said about epic. And of course, the, the as we talked about before, the PPE uh, issue that they had. None of those things have proven any kind of direct uh corruption but they all kind of smack of it a little bit and 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 this one because we're we have a little more evidence that's been reported of what looks like something corrupt not not directly related to the to the governor though that's that's the important thing to say here is you know the, the governor his only connection to this thing is like you said it's it's appointing jerry winchester who he apparently is very close with and he has a right to be uh jerry is the one that hired brent swadley and, and I, I did find it a little bit interesting that within one week, uh, the, the language from the governor did change just a little bit uh, when talking about this and in, in, in that he did seem to be isolating Mr. Swadley from like he, he's saying, yes, it's been successful. But if we have a bad vendor, you know, we're going to get rid of that bad. And he, I, I was having to go back and listen that, to those quotes a number of times and the number of times he used the term bad vendor kind of stuck out, you know, so, you know. You, you guys know when you're working on a story like this, you start to pick up on little things and maybe maybe I'm reading more into it than there is. But it did seem like a, just a little change in his in his attitude. Yeah. But but even like when you when you talk about like epic and stuff, I mean, those they still have a degree of separation. Exactly. Right? I mean, you can exactly. criticize the governor for being exactly. a you know, and then he has been criticized for being a proponent of school choice right, and right. maybe a proponent of Epic, but he wasn't making direct decisions. He's not making direct decisions here, we don't think, but um, 
I, I guess this is not an, there won't, if, if more comes out and, and the governor decides, well, I need to, I need to cut off Swalley's and tells Winchester, Hey, Swalley's needs to go or tells Winchester he needs to go. That's, that, that would be an interesting political calculation because I don't know that, that some backsplash is going to come on the governor when you do that. Right. You know, right. when you have someone, when you have your agency director and you said you have messed up, you need to go, even if he doesn't say that publicly. Right. I mean, if Winchester is relieved or resigns sometime over the next several months, we're going to know why. Um, there's still questions like, well, you hired this guy, and, you know, and you and you picked him from your world, you know. So I, I don't know. I just, I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. I think he's going to have to kind of walk. Uh, like I said, I, I, we're not in full-blown scandal mode yet. No, I, not I'm, yet. Not saying, I'm not saying we're going to be. Right. Um, but I, I do think that this is one that is going to require a little bit of tightroping. I don't know. I do think that the governor is like, he's one to dig in his heels, right? I mean, just look at everything with the tribes. He hasn't backed down from his position, whether it be sort of, I mean, he's sort of backed down on the gaming just because, well, the courts decided that for him and he had to, but he hasn't backed down on McGirt, despite criticism, despite pushback from the tribes. And if he really thinks that Jerry Winchester is doing a good job in changing up state park management and in changing up the Department of Tourism, I mean, I just, I don't know that any political pressure that could come from the campaign trail, especially when Stitt is beyond the odds on favorite to win re-election, could alter the governor's approach. <laughs> He's, he doesn't shy away from a fight. You're definitely, no, 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 you're no, definitely no. I think right about that. Yeah. Yeah. But what is, I guess, even, even for those of us that like a good fight, at some point you've got to decide when is the fight not worth it, right? Sometimes you can get yourself in a little bit of trouble saying, I'm always taking on a fight. I'm always being aggressive. I mean, hey, look at Swadley's in this mm -hmm. example. I mean, he's a guy, he's a character who said, I'm not always going to play by the rules. You know, I'm going to force my way in. And yep. he's he can point to a successful, you know, yep, way. But, but yep. maybe he maybe it's not that he's going to lose his millions, but maybe that approach now is finally caught up to him if he loses out on this contract, you know, going forward, or if OSBI comes down with some kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of negative finding. So I mean, at some point you should, at some time you should gotta say, okay, this fight's not worth it. I can't be the fighting person in this. True. But you're right. You know, Carmen, you're right. That's not a. I mean, I, I and I think about the governor's race. His his likely a Democratic opponent, Joy Hoffmeister. She faced charges a few years ago, and she fought him. And yeah. she was like, I'm not going to shy away. I'm going to call this a political witch hunt. I'm going to I'm going to keep my face out there. And she survived. And I'm thinking back to um, when Stitt's cabinet secretary, David Ostro, got indicted. Um, and of course, he has since alleged that that indictment was politically motivated by Mike Hunter and, uh, you know, just orchestrated by behind the scenes. We don't know if there's any validity to those claims at this point in time, but Stitt stood by Ostro. I mean, Ostro took a leave of absence sort of from his cabinet secretary duties, but Stitt didn't ask him to resign. He didn't resign. Um, eventually, after he was cleared, he did resign. And I think that probably had something to do with his lawsuit against Mike Hunter. But um, I mean, it just, I, I stit stood by his man at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, voters, especially rural voters, rural conservative voters, I mean, they definitely are concerned about misuse of tax dollars, but they also like to see investment in their communities. And, and some of these state parks, that's kind of how they're framing it. These are investments and jobs. And investments, you know, and in, in bringing tourism, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to some of these rural communities that haven't had that kind of investment in a long time. So I'm sure the governor's going to talk that up 
you know, as he's on the, as it's on the campaign trail. You guys mentioned a couple things um, that, that bring to mind what, where I think this thing may, what it would, what, what it, how it may affect the race, where it may affect the race could come down to a question of that bidding. The, the bidding we were talking about that Swadley's didn't do with, with those capital improvements, because that's where in my reporting, where it's become very interesting is no matter who I ask about, how was Brent Swadley able to, to do all these capital improvements without competitive bidding? No one can give a clear answer why that was the case. No one. Uh, I've been told off the record by folks that know that it absolutely should not have happened. And if this thing go, gets to a point where it's determined that all those bids were done outside the law, then, then you've got a full-blown scandal. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got a full-blown stit is in emergency mode and he's got to figure out how to ride this thing out. Because if, it, if, if, the, if they come to that determination, it's going it's, it's to have to fall on either him or Winchester. Like who, who, was make, who was saying it was okay not to bid? And, that, and that's immediately going to fall on Winchester. It, it would have to. And, and he's so closely connected to Stitt that that's where it'll be. That will be worth watching going forward for folks that like kind of handicap these things. Just keep an eye on that relationship between Jerry Winchester and Kevin Stitt. And, and I get a, you'll get a sense of where this thing is headed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been great reporting on your part. And I know you're continuing. I mean, you're, you're still on this. If you're just catching up to the story and you look up, uh, you know, Dave's coverage in recent weeks, um, and you'll get fully caught up to speed. Um, I, I mean, I, have you been kind of off your regular food duties, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since I've had any time to, to do my regular job. But no, it's it's been okay. It's been good. Uh, you know, I, I many years ago, I, I, I oversaw our investigative team. And so I have a little bit of background in some of this stuff. And I same with Capital Beat. I mean, I'm talking almost 20 years ago, but I mean, it's not like I've never been out there. And part of the oh, reason, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's part of the reason I was able to get in on this story is because I still have some sources out there who... Um, I talked to about the contract back in the summer and, uh, Carmen remembers when we first got that. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it, it honestly though, I'd never dreamed it was going to turn into something like this. I really didn't. And, uh, so it's been a little bit of a nice change up, I guess, for that, but no, don't get me wrong. I'm ready to go back, eat some tacos and barbecue real soon. <laughs> you got a restaurant recommendation for us here? Anything, new? <laughs> anything you would be writing about if you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we've got, uh, you know, of course, First National's getting ready to reopen. Oh, yeah. Fancy stuff down there. So they're getting there. The steakhouse coming, right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and I cannot wait to pay, like, I think I saw their menu, $13 for gin and tonic just to sit <laughs> in that beautiful building. Beautiful. beautiful, beautiful building. And, of course, this week is the Arts Festival. This is the first time since I've been doing this job that I will not be at the Arts Festival one time. Usually I'm either oh, wow. judging something or cooking something or doing something <laughs> out there. Somebody had to remind me last week that it was starting this week. And so, yeah, I, I definitely missed that. Uh, we got Dave's uh, hot chicken coming into uh, into the city this summer. Uh, yeah, it's actually a really exciting time in the, in the local food scene right now. So everybody, uh, you know, I know we're still in a pandemic, but hopefully we're all vaxxed up and, and, and understand how to get out there and social distance and all that stuff now. Yeah. Well, you're right that uh, I think the First National will be cool to see, especially as our newsroom reopens. And They'll yes. be neighbors and maybe a good place to meet a source and that uh yeah. that grand ballroom has a some kind of a romantic feeling of old school journalism and heck yeah <laughs> rubbing out elbows and stuff like that carmen you got anything big coming down the pipe it's just kind of focused on this but i mean it's another week of session and 
Uh, um, it sounds like budget talks are starting to heat up a little bit at the Capitol. Budget talks are heating up. We may or may not be inking a deal with Panasonic to open a like $4 billion uh, electric vehicle battery plant. It's in to near Tulsa, I should say prior. Um, so that may or may not happen. Um, it looks like we're competing at least with Kansas. Um, my, the cynic in me thinks that like um, Texas may also be in the running, although I've not seen any reporting of this, but the cynic in me is like thinking back to when we lost out on Tesla and I'm just like, oh yeah, well, if this, if Panasonic is supposed to build electric vehicle batteries for the new Tesla plant down in Austin, then uh, why wouldn't they just locate to Texas? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we could have held a whole episode on this topic and you've written about sure. it. Uh, so, and maybe we'll get into that next week as we see what the, the legislature advanced the legislation, the mega legislation, that's what they're calling it. The <laughs> mega legislation for a humongous company that cannot <laughs> be named, but the, you know, we pretty much all know it's Panasonic. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll watch that next week and maybe we'll get, we'll dive into that in next week's episode. So, well, hey, Dave, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, good work. And uh, thanks for, thanks for talking about it with us. <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Political State Podcast, which you can find on your favorite podcasting app. We also have got video versions of this. If you prefer to watch, to check out the Oklahomans YouTube channel. Uh, with Carmen and Dave, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for listening slash watching. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you.